Okay, brothers and sisters, uh, welcome again to another episode of the Bible History Project. The topic for today is called intercessor, and you'll understand why there is a need for an intercessor when you are a people belonging to Yahuwah, our God. So we'll basically continue with our study of history, going back to the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, remember, last week we discussed about remembering, and we need to remember certain aspects about Yahuwah God so that we can establish and strengthen the foundations of obedience, namely reverence for God and also our love for our Father. So we need to remember Yehovah God, remember His commands. And so in the spirit of remembering Yehovah our God, Moses, in preparing the new generation to enter the promised land, there's something that he warns them about. What is that? Let's now begin Deuteronomy chapter 9. So we'll basically cover Deuteronomy 9 and 10 today. And we'll just keep going until we reach the end of Deuteronomy and then hopefully jump to the book of Revelation. But today, let's go with Deuteronomy chapter 9, 1 down to 2. Listen, O Israel, today you're about to cross the Jordan River to take over the land belonging to nations much greater and more powerful than you. They live in cities with walls that reach to the sky. The people are strong and tall, descendants of the famous Anakite giants. You've heard the saying, who can stand up to the Anakites? So what was the warning of Yahuwah God through Moses to the people of Israel as they're about to prepare to enter the promised land by crossing the Jordan River? What do you think the warning is about? You might think and say to yourself, oh, Yahuwah is warning them about the giants. Do you think that's the case? I don't think so. What is this warning all about? Yahuwah is warning them about pride. Why? Because when they enter the promised land, they cannot afford to be a proud people. What does Moses remind them so that they are realistic about what they're going to face and about themselves? Moses says to them, you're going to go to a land where there are nations much greater and more powerful than you. See, this is for a warning against pride. Because when a person is proud, they depend on self rather than who? Yahuwah, our God. And so by trying to remove the pride, now Moses tells them the truth about what's going to happen. Deuteronomy 9.3, but recognize today that Yahuwah, your God, is the one who will cross over ahead of you like a devouring fire to destroy them. He will subdue them so that you will quickly conquer them and drive them out just as Yahuwah has promised. And so what did Moses remind the people of Israel about what's going to happen in Canaan or the promised land? They will be victorious, but the victory will come not because of what the Israelites did, right? They will be victorious because of what Yahuwah God will do. What is that? He will go ahead of them as a devouring fire to destroy the inhabitants of that land to fulfill the promise of Yahuwah our God. And so whenever we are in a journey, because just like the people of Israel during ancient times, we too are in a journey, right? We need to understand that we must not hold on to our own self-righteousness, thinking that we are better than other people. We need to understand that humility is the key. Why? Because with humility, we see the work of God. But with pride, we cannot see the work of God. And when it comes to victory, what is paramount is not our work, but the work of Yahuwah God who is almighty. And so the first thing we need to understand to be able to occupy the promised land, we need to get rid of pride. Do you know what pride does, which is why Yahuwah God hates pride? Yahuwah notices that pride leads to stubbornness, right? Stubbornness is when you do not want to change your ways, even if you're already being punished for it. And the people of Israel have been known for their stubbornness. Isn't that true? Pride leads to stubbornness. Stubbornness leads to rebellion. And this pretty much sums up the history of the people of Israel, especially throughout their wilderness journeys. This is why Moses had this to say in Numbers, I mean, Deuteronomy 9, 4 down to 6, after Yahuwah your God has done this for you, 
Don't say in your hearts, Yahuwah has given us this land because we are such good people. Wanna pause there for a while. Sometimes when we succeed at something, there is the tendency in us to think that we're better than others, right? We succeed, and so we begin to establish this kind of self-righteousness. That's dangerous because that leads to pride. And the worst kind of pride there is is spiritual pride. And when you have pride, you become stubborn. When you are stubborn, you become rebellious. And so Moses wants to make sure that the people of Israel, the new generation, understand in a deep way. They must not have this attitude of self-righteousness. No, it is because of the wickedness of the other nations that he is pushing them out of your way. It is not because you are so good or have such integrity that you are about to occupy their land. Yahuwah, your God will drive these nations out ahead of you only because of their wickedness and to fulfill the oath he swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You must recognize that Yahuwah, your God, is not giving you this good land because you are good, for you are not. You are a stubborn people. Ouch, doesn't that hurt? Here's the people of Israel, the new generation. They're about to occupy the promised land. Yahuwah is going to shower them with blessing after blessing. And then Moses reminds them, you're going to succeed, not because you're good. Truth of the matter is, you are not. What kind of people are you? You are a stubborn people. And so Moses reminds them of where they came from, because if you do not understand where you came from, you will not learn from your mistakes. And so Moses tells them, you, your ancestors, are a stubborn and stiff-necked people. Because all these days that Moses dealt with the people of Israel, what did he come to conclude? What did he see? 924, yes, you have been rebelling against Yahuwah as long as I have known you. So Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt and through the desert or the wilderness for how long? 40 years, right? In those 40 years, Moses noticed something about the people of Israel. What is that? They're stubborn. All the time they are rebelling against Yahuwah God. And in Deuteronomy chapter 9, in his sermon, the second address he gave to the people of Israel, he reminds them of five instances of stubbornness and rebellion. What were they? Deuteronomy 9.22, you also made Yehovah angry at Tabera, Masa, and Kilbroth Hata'ava. And so in three different places, the people of Israel became stubborn. They rebelled against Yahuwah, our God. And so Yahuwah became angry at them. We're, we're at number one, Tabera. Number two, Maasa. Number three, Kibroth Ha'atava. Well, what happened there in Tabera? Let's go back to a brief history in Numbers 11, 1 to 3. Soon the people began to complain about their hardship. And Yahuwah heard everything they said. Then Yahuwah's anger blazed against them. And he sent a fire to rage among them. And he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people screamed to Moses for help. And when he prayed to Yahuwah, the fire stopped. After that, the area was known as Tabera, which means the place of burning, because fire from Yahuwah had burned among them there. So what happened there at Tabera? It was where they complained about uh, to Yahuwah our God. What was their complaint? They complained about hardship. Nowadays, in this life, in this present age, many people are going through hardship, right? Maybe perhaps we are, there's this tendency within us to complain because of our hardship, because of our troubles. The same thing happened with the people of Israel. Can you imagine? Yahuwah set them free. And within just a matter of days, they begin to complain because of their hardship to Yahuwah, their God. This happened in Tabera. What else were they, what, what else did they experience? Let's read now the book of Exodus 17, 1 to 2, at Yahuwah's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin and moved from place to place. Eventually, they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water there for the people to drink. So once more, the people complained against Moses 
Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me? And why are you testing Yahuwah? What also was the instance when the people of Israel became stubborn and rebelled against Yahuwah God? When they tested Yahuwah. How did they test Yahuwah their God? When they complained about having nothing to drink. They just witnessed the miracle of Yahuwah God. And then now they begin to complain about having no water. So what did Yahuwah God do? Let's read Exodus 17, 5 to 7. Yahuwah said to Moses, walk out in front of the people. He was he's speaking to Moses here. Take your staff, the one you use when you struck the water of the Nile and caused some of the elders of Israel to join him. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and water gushed out as the elders looked on. Moses named the place Masa, which means test, and Meriba, which means arguing, because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested Yahuwah by saying, is, Ye is Yahuwah here with us or not? And so in response to the complaint of the people of Israel, what did Yahuwah God do? He told Moses, Take your staff and strike the rock. When he struck, struck the rock, water came gushing out. God provided for his people water. Nevertheless, Yahuwah did not forget this incident. Yahuwah was pretty angry against the people of Israel. Because to Yahuwah God, when they complained about not having water, they were really doubting Yahuwah God's care for them. What else? was another incident in the book of Numbers 11, 31 to 34. Now Yahuwah sent a wind that brought quail from the sea and let them fall all around the camp. For miles in every direction, there were quail flying about three feet above the ground. So the people went out and caught quail all that day and throughout the night and all the next day too. No one gathered less than 50 bushels. They spread the quail all around the camp to dry but while they were gorging themselves on the meat, while it was still in their mouths, the anger of Yahuwah blazed against the people and he struck them with a severe plague. So the place was called Kibroth Hata'ava, which means graves of gluttony, because there they buried the people who craved meat from Egypt. When else did they complain against Yahuwah God? When they got fed up of manna. Remember the manna? They're basically heavenly donuts. Right, They were really good food, but it was not enough for them. They wanted more. And so they were showing their gluttony, their craving for something else. And so Yahuwah God provided them with quail. And what did the people of Israel do? They gorged themselves with this meat. And because of this, Yahuwah God sent a plague to them. And this place was called Kibroth Ha'atava, which means graves of gluttony. And so we can see the various instances when the people of Israel tested Yahuwah God, they complained, they showed their stubbornness and rebelled against him. In Tabera, they complained about hardship. Masa, they tested Yahuwah by doubting his care. Kibroth Ha'atava, they showed their gluttony. They were not content with what Yahuwah God has given to them. But it does not end there. What is incident number four? Deuteronomy 9.23. And at Kadesh Barnea. Do you remember Kadesh Barnea? I think we know all about Kadesh Barnea because something happened there. What was that? At Kadesh Barnea, Yahuwah sent you out with this command. Go up. And take over the land I have given you. But you rebelled against the command of Yahuwah your God. And refused to put your trust in him. Or obey him. What happened there at Kadesh Barnea? Yahuwah God said go and occupy the land. They had the opportunity to seize the land promised by Yahuwah God. But they complained and rebelled. Because they saw that they were giants there. And because of their fear and lack of trust in God. They refused to do that. And so in Kadesh Barnea, they showed their lack of trust in Yahuwah, our God. So in these four incidences, Yahuwah God, obviously, 
and rightly so, was very angry with his people, right? And we cannot blame Yahuwah God at all. I mean, who would not be angry with people who are so stubborn and always complaining, always doubting what you can provide for them? And so Yahuwah God was angry. But there was one incident. And because of this incident, it almost caused the people of Israel to be completely destroyed, including Aaron. Do you remember what happened there? What do you think Moses is talking about? The incident that almost caused the annihilation, the complete annihilation of the people of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was so bad. It got Yahuwah got so angry. Yahuwah God said, I'm going to make a new people. No longer the ancestors of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but you, Moses. Do you remember that incident? What was that one incident that really caused Yahuwah God to be angry? Let's read about the incident. Let's speak about the incident. Deuteronomy chapter 9, 7 to 8. Remember and never forget how angry you made Yahuwah your God out in the wilderness or the day you left Egypt until now. You have been constantly rebelling against him, even at Mount Sinai. You made Yahuwah so angry, he was ready to destroy you. So there was another incident, not in Kadesh Barnea, but in a place where we know Yahuwah God once revealed his glory to the people of Israel, so much so the people of Israel, with reverence for him, said to him and pledged to him, we will obey your command. That was which place? Mount Sinai. In Mount Sinai, God revealed his glory to the people of Israel, right? But even then, they showed contempt against Yahuwah, our God. Yahuwah God became very angry with them. What happened there in Mount Sinai? Let's read Deuteronomy 9, 9 to 10. This happened when I was on the mountain receiving the tablets of stone inscribed with the words of the covenant that Yahuwah had made with you. I was there for 40 days and 40 nights, and all that time I ate no food and drank no water. Yahuwah gave me the two tablets on which God had written his own finger, all the words he had spoken to you from the heart of the fire when you were, were assembled at the mountain. And so what was Moses doing there on Mount Sinai? He was having meeting with Yehovah God. For what purpose? To establish the covenant, right? Because the, the, the basis of that covenant were the commandments of Yehovah God. And he inscribed it on two tablets of stone. What, what do we call the two tablets of stone again? The Ten Commandments. It was the covenant. And so when Yahuwah gave Moses there on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of stone, that was the proof of the covenant. That those were the terms of the covenant. It's like when you establish a relationship with someone, when you have an agreement with another, for example, organization, because we they did this all the time during those days in the ancient times, whenever they had agreements, formal agreements, they had to have a legal document, right? And the legal document that Yahuwah God was basically giving the people of Israel were the tablets. That was the registration of the people of Israel, if we can call it that, right? It was legal. It legalized the people of Israel. And so he gave them the two tablets of stone. And so that was a big thing. It was proof that Yahuwah God has made a covenant with his people, Israel. And so Moses went to Sinai to get that done. How long was Moses in Mount, on Mount Sinai for? Can you imagine that? 40 days and 40 nights. Does this remind you of someone else who fasted and prayed 40 days and 40 nights? Yahusha HaMashiach. And already we can see the connection, right? Something's happening here that's pointing to who? Yahusha. 40 days and 40 nights, he was on Mount Sinai. He was getting the covenant, the tablets. So when it was given to him at the end of 40 days and 40 nights, what happened? 
9-11, at the end of the 40 days and nights, Yahuwah handed me the two stone tablets inscribed with the words of the covenant. And so the covenant was not only sealed, it was also established with an official document, the tablets. The tablets were given to Moses to give to the people of Israel. However, what happened as this was taking place? What happened to the assembled people of God, the people of Israel, there by the foot of Mount Sinai, while Moses was receiving the tablets from Yahuwah God? What happened? I think you know. But, but to show you the stubbornness, oh my goodness, of the people of Israel, 12 to 14, then Yahuwah said to me, get up, go down immediately, for the people you brought out of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted gold and made an idol for themselves. Yahuwah also said to me, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Leave me alone so I may destroy them and erase their name from under heaven. Then I will make a mighty nation of your descendants, a nation larger and more powerful than they are. You see that? So while Moses was given the tablets after the end of 40 days and 40 nights, what were the people of Israel doing at the base of the mountain? What were they doing? They were creating an idol for themselves. Isn't that unusual? Or maybe not so. I guess it's the tendency of human beings to create idols for themselves, right? Even today, there are people who make idols for themselves, perhaps not made of stone, but sometimes people are made into idols, right? This is what happened to the people of Israel. And because of this, Yahuwah God was angry. In fact, he was so angry. What did he say to Moses concerning his people Israel? He said, go down immediately for the people you brought out. You notice the difference? Instead of Yahuwah God saying, my people. What did he say? The people. Yahuwah God basically is no longer accepting the covenant. It's like Yahuwah God rejected the covenant because they broke the terms of the covenant, right? And so, you know, he no longer identifies the people of Israel as his people. And so he tells Moses, go down because I will destroy them and erase their name from under heaven. And instead, what will Yahuwah God do? He will make a mighty nation this time, not from the ancestors of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but from who? With Moses, right? And so Yahuwah God was that angry. He was going to destroy the people of Israel because of idolatry. So we can see here the five instances of Israel's stubbornness and rebellion. Taberna, Tabera complained about hardship. Masa tested Yahuwah by doubting his grace. Kibroth Hata'ava, gluttony, uh, greediness. Kadesh Barnea, lack of trust. In Yahuwah God, Mount Sinai, what is that? Idolatry. And so when we look at the people of Israel, it's true. They are indeed a stiff-necked people. They are stubborn. However, when we look at this list of the stubbornness of the people of Israel, I think many of us can relate to, right? I mean, we're going to be honest. I think we might be guilty of some of these things as well, am I right? I mean, hardship. I mean, who among us do not have a silent complaint when, whenever we encounter problems in life, right? Sometimes we echo those complaints. Um, whenever things go wrong, do we sometimes doubt Yahuwah's care? Maybe God doesn't love me anymore. Maybe God doesn't care about me anymore. Isn't that what we think as well, right? Gluttony. I mean, are we content with what we have or are we striving and craving for more and more, right? Do we sometimes lack trust in God, especially when we have to face and are caused to make difficult decisions in life? Sometimes there is that lack of trust in us, right? And whether we like it or not, sometimes we are guilty of idolatry. Maybe we idolize certain ideologies. Maybe our career became our idol. Maybe our education became our idol. Maybe some spiritual leaders became our idol. So when we look at these instances, 
of Israel's stubbornness and rebellion, we can easily say we too can be guilty of this, right? This is why we need to understand how we can overcome all of these things and what we need to prevail and to overcome. So when Israel was about to be destroyed, remember, Yahuwah God wants to destroy them. He's really angry with idolatry. Out of all these things that Yahuwah God saw, it was idolatry that really got him very angry. I want you to keep that in mind. And so in Deuteronomy 9, 15 to 17, what did Moses do? So while the mountain was blazing with fire, I turned and came down, holding in my hands the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. There below me, I could see that you had sinned against Yahuwah, your God. You had melted and made a calf idol for yourselves. How quickly you had turned away from the path Yahuwah had commanded you to follow. So I took the stone tablets and threw them to the ground, smashing them before your eyes. There goes the terms of the covenant. There goes the document. It's like when you have a legal document, you kind of tear it in half. It's null and void. That's basically what happened here. Yahuwah's covenant with Israel has become null and void because Israel broke the terms of the covenant. This is why when we look at the people of Israel, that was a pivotal part of its history. Did you know at that point, at that point, it could have been very, very likely that there would be no Israel anymore. But something happened. It's a good thing. There was an intercessor. You know who that was? Who do you think the intercessor was? Because Yahuwah God made it very clear. He's going to destroy the people of Israel, including Aaron, right? And so what happened? What caused Yahuwah God to relent? Let's read the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 9, 1920. I fear that the furious, the furious anger of Yahuwah which turned him against you would drive him, drive him to destroy you. But again, he listened to me. Yahuwah was so angry with Aaron that he wanted to destroy him too. But I prayed for Aaron and Yahuwah spared him. And so when Yahuwah was going to destroy Israel together with Aaron, who was the intercessor? Yeah, it's a good thing Moses was there, because if Moses was not there, at that point, there would be no Israel. There would be no Aaron, but Moses was there, and he became the intercessor. How so? He pled with Yahuwah God. He prayed to Yahuwah God to spare Israel and to spare Aaron. And so how did Yahuwah, uh, how did Moses become an intercessor. What did he have to do? If we go to back to Exodus 32, 30, the same incident, the next day. So Moses went to Mount Sinai, right? And he was there for how long? 40 days, 40 nights. He comes down, breaks the covenant or breaks the tablets, which is the, the, the basically the document for the covenant, breaks it, tears it in half, no more covenant. And then the next day, Moses said to the people, you have committed a great sin, but now I will go up to Yahuwah. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses just got down, broke the covenant, right? Toward the, uh, broke the, uh, the, the tablets. And now he's going to go back up to Yahuwah. Where? On Mount Sinai. And how long would he spend on Mount Sinai pleading for the people of Israel? Uh, Deuteronomy 9, 25 to 26. That is why I threw myself down before Yahuwah for 40 days and nights. For Yahuwah said he would destroy you. I prayed to Yahuwah and said, O sovereign Yahuwah, do not destroy them. They are your own people. They are your special possession whom you redeemed from Egypt by your mighty power and your strong hand. And so how long did Moses spent there on Mount Sinai pleading on behalf of the people of Israel. How long? 40 days and 40 nights. So if you're keeping score, I mean, he just came from that mountain for how long? 40 days, 40 nights. He goes back up, spends another how long? 40 days and 40 nights. How many days is that in total so far? 80 days, right? First 40 days, 
to establish the covenant, right? To receive the covenant documents. And then the next 40 days to plead on behalf of the people of Israel. And so what was he pleading for? What was Moses interceding for? What was he pleading to Yahuwah God about? Deuteronomy 9.27, please overlook the stubbornness and the awful sin of these people. And remember instead your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so here's Moses pleading on behalf of the people of Israel that they be spared, that Yahuwah God overlook the stubbornness and the awful sin of these people. What was used by Moses to make an appeal to Yahuwah God as an intercessor? How good of an intercessor was Moses? I think it was pretty good. This is what he used in his appeal to Yahuwah God in Deuteronomy 9, 28 to 29. If you destroy these people, the Egyptians will say the Israelites died because Yahuwah wasn't able to bring them to the land he had promised to give them. Or they might say he destroyed them because he hated them. He deliberately took them into the wilderness to slaughter them. But they are your people and your special possession, whom you brought out of Egypt by your great strength and powerful arm. And so what did Moses do to appeal, to make an appeal to Yahuwah to spare the people of Israel? Well, Moses went to Yahuwah and said, if you will destroy the people of Israel, then the, uh, the Egyptians, well, they might say something about you. They might think that you weren't able to bring them to the land that you had promised and that you hate them. And then he appealed to the truth that Yahuwah God loved the people of Israel, which is the truth. Yahuwah loved the people of Israel. So Moses, understanding that Yahuwah had a passion for his people Israel. He appealed to Yahuwah's love for them. Aren't they your special possession? Don't you love the people of Israel? Yes, Yahuwah God is a holy God, but he's also a God who loves his people, calling them a special possession. So he appealed in that sense. And so what happened next? What happened also when he was making an appeal uh, for the people of Israel. Moses was becoming very brave. And this is what he said to Yahuwah God. Exodus 32, 30 to 32. Uh, the next day, Moses said to the people, you have committed a great sin, but now I will go up to Yahuwah. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses went back to Yahuwah and said, oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold, but now please forgive their sin. But if not, then block me out of the book you have written. So here's Moses. And in his next set of appeals to Yahuwah, what was he attempting to do? He was telling Yahuwah God, let me be an atoning sacrifice for the people of Israel, right? He said to the people of Israel, I'm going to go up to the mountain and let me see if I can make atonement for your sin. And so he's basically offering himself to die for the people of Israel, right? Blot out my name if you cannot forgive their sin. And so by blotting out my name, by killing me, then you must spare Israel as an atonement for sin. So this was the suggestion of Moses. What did Yahuwah God say about that? Exodus 32, 33, Yahuwah replied to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now go. Lead the people to the place I spoke of, and my angel will go before you. However, when the time comes for me to punish, I will punish them for their sin. And Yahuwah struck the people with a plague because of what they did with the calf Aaron had made. And so when Moses offered himself to die so that Israel would be spared, Yahuwah basically said, whoever sinned against me, that's the one who will die. Whoever sinned against me is the one whom I will blot out of my book. And so Basically, Yahuwah rejected his offer, right? Because Yahuwah God had better plans. Moses was not fit to be an atoning sacrifice. Somebody else is going to fulfill that role. Do you know who? Don't tell me yet. We'll, we'll reserve that for last, but you know where we're getting to, right? But can you see the hints being dropped here? Right? So Moses was not the perfect intercessor. And so Israelites died because of the plague. 
Moses could not be the atoning, atoning sacrifice. And so what happened after this? Let's read. What did Yahuwah God decree? 33, go up to this land that flows with milk and honey. But I will not travel among you, for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. When the people heard these stern words, they went into mourning and stopped wearing their jewelry and fine clothes. For Yahuwah had told Moses to tell them, you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I were to travel with you for even a moment, I would destroy you. Remove your jewelry and fine clothes while I decide what to do with you. So from the time they left Mount Sinai, the Israelites wore no more jewelry or fine clothes. And so because of the intercession of Moses, did Yahuwah God relent from destroying the people of Israel and destroying Aaron? Yes. Yes, he sent the plague, but he did not completely destroy all of Israel. And so because of the intercession of Moses, Yahuwah God basically gave Israel another chance to enter the promised land. However, because of their sin, because of their idolatry, what did Yahuwah God decree? You're going to go to the promised land, but I'm not going to go with you. I will not personally accommodate the people of Israel. And when the people of Israel heard this, that Yahuwah God would not travel with them, what did they feel? They felt really repentant. And so they wanted to renew their life. They, they felt the pain of losing the fellowship of Yahuwah God. It's a good thing Moses, as an intercessor, did not stop interceding for the people of Israel. Yes, when he began to intercede for the people of Israel, Yahuwah God relented. He did not destroy Israel as a whole. Okay. This time, Moses is continuing his intercession. And what does he say? Remember, the problem this time is Yahuwah God is not going to be with Israel anymore. As they travel to, to occupy the promised land. And so what did Moses say to Yahuwah God? When Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. And so Moses does not stop interceding. That's what an intercessor does. They continue to plead again and again and again for the sake of their people. And so Moses says to Yahuwah God, this time, if you don't go personally, if you don't personally go with us, then we might as well not go because the people will destroy us. Because what we have that we cherish, that we no longer have, is the fact that your presence sets us apart as your people. Without your presence, it's not even worth it. You get it? And so Moses is telling them, without having this fellowship with you, Yahuwah God, our life is not worth living. It's not worth living anymore. And so he, again, is appealing to the love that Yahuwah God has for his people. So what does Yahuwah say to Moses? Was he moved? I think so. Because if we read 17 to 18, Yahuwah replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked. Wow. For I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. Moses is becoming bold, more bold and bold. Right? He, tells, he tells Yahuwah God, can I see your glorious presence? So what does Yahuwah God say to him? Yahuwah replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahuwah, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose, but you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. Yahuwah continued, look, stand near me on this rock as my glorious presence passes by. I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. And so when Moses requests for the glorious presence of Yahuwah God to be manifested before Moses, what did Yahuwah God say? I will do that. But 
before he did that, before he manifested his goodness, what did Yahuwah do? I don't know if you noticed this, but it's in the passage. It's very, very indicative of the value of something. What did Yahuwah God do? When he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. He said, I will call out my name, Yahuwah. In other words, Yahuwah would invoke his own name, Yahuwah. Why? So that he can show mercy to anyone whom he chooses. We can see then that the power of the name of Yahuwah, when it is called out, is very powerful. Because by invoking the name of Yahuwah God, Yahuwah is able to show us compassion, mercy, and even manifest his goodness to pass before us. Do not underestimate the power of the name of Yahuwah, our God. And so Moses got to experience the presence of Yahuwah God. And after this, what does uh, Yahuwah instruct him to do? Exodus 34, 1 to 3. Then Yahuwah told Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones. I will write on them the same words that were on the tablets you smashed. Be ready in the morning to climb up Mount Sinai and present yourself to me on the top of the mountain. No one else may come with you. In fact, no one is to appear anywhere on the mountain. Do not even let the flocks or herds gaze near the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two tablets of stone like the first ones. Early in the morning, he climbed Mount Sinai as Yahuwah had commanded him, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. And so after Yahuwah shows his glory to Moses, what does Yahuwah instruct Moses to do? He tells Moses to bring with him two stone tablets, like the first one. What happened to the first one? Destroyed. It was destroyed, right? And so this is the second set. So he's going to bring with him to Mount Sinai another set of tablets. And when Moses was asked by Yahuwah God to go to Mount Sinai, he said, take no one else with you. As a matter of fact, make sure no one is within the vicinity of, the, of Mount Sinai. And so when Moses goes to Mount Sinai, by the way, this is how many times now? First time, how long was he there for the first time? 40 days, 40 nights. And then he went back to intercede. How long? 40 days, 40 nights. And this is the third time, right? The third time that he goes back to Mount Sinai in, in this uh, context. And so Exodus 34, 5 to 7, when he gets there, what happens? Then Yahuwah came down in a cloud and stood there with him. And he called out his own name, Yahuwah. Yahuwah passed in front of Moses calling out, Yahuwah, Yahuwah, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. And so when Moses goes to Mount Sinai, what does Yahuwah God do? He comes down in a cloud. And then what does he do? He again invokes his name, Yahuwah. Do you remember the meaning of the Hebrew name Yahuwah? I am who I am. Yahuwah can be what he needs to be for our sake. In this case, so that the covenant would be reestablished, Yahuwah God. He had to be God who showed love and faithfulness and compassion and mercy. So he invoked his own name, right? Yahuwah God called out Yahuwah, Yahuwah. So he invokes his own name because the name of Yahuwah God is powerful. That name, Yahuwah, our God, it brings compassion to us. It brings mercy to us. It, gives un it shows unfailing love and the faithfulness of our God. This is why, brothers and sisters, we must never use the name of Yahuwah God in vain. It's a powerful, sacred, and holy name. And it's but right that we worship that name and we invoke that name for good 
Do not trifle with that name. Do not involve that name when you mock people. Do not involve that name when you talk about casual things. Brethren, it's a powerful name because this name brings mercy and compassion. And because of his name, Yahuwah God, Yahuwah was able to forgive his people Israel. And he tells Moses, I'm going to renew that covenant. That's why he told him, bring a new set of tablet stones. And so he goes up to the mountain. And what does Yahuwah God do? Deuteronomy 10. So I made an ark of acacia wood and cut two stone tablets like the first two. And I went up the mountain with the tablets in my hand. Once again, Yahuwah wrote the Ten Commandments on the tablets and gave them to me. They were the words Yahuwah had spoken to you from the heart of the fire on the day you were assembled at the foot of the mountain. Then I, then I turned and came down the mountain and placed the tablets in the Ark of the Covenant, which I had made just as Yahuwah commanded me. And the tablets are still there in the Ark. And so when Moses brings the tablets, which are basically blank documents, to the mountain of Sinai to present to Yahuwah our God. What does Yahuwah God do? He fills up the documents. He signs it, basically, right? What does he do? He writes the Ten Commandments on the two tablets. This, again, renews the covenant. They now, again, have the official documents that prove that Yahuwah God has made a covenant with his people, Israel. And where did they keep this special document at? They kept in a special place called the Ark of the Covenant. Where's the Ark of the Covenant now? I have no idea. It would be nice to be able to find it and see that document, the tablets that Yahuwah God gave his people Israel, the terms of the covenant. How long did Moses stay there on Mount Sinai? To again receive the Ten Commandments. How long do you think? <laughs> Any guesses? Well, let's find out. Exodus 34. Then Yahuwah said to Moses, write down these words. For in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. Moses was there with Yahuwah 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandment. So how long did Moses stay there again for? 40 days and 40 nights. How many total on Mount Sinai? 40 plus 40 plus 40. How many is that? 120. Interesting number, 120. Because last uh, Tuesday, we talked about the number 40, right? And it's the number for completeness. And if 40 is a number for completeness, three 40s, is really complete, <laughs> right? So it's like uh, most, uh, in a span of 120 days, Yahuwah gives the documents, the uh, ratifies the, co the covenant, it's broken, and then it was renewed, right? In a span of how many days? 120 days. And who was instrumental in getting this done? Moses, because he was the intercessor. However, we know Moses was pointing to a better intercessor. Who do you think that is? Yahusha. Let's read the book of Hebrews 7, 24 to 26. But because Yahusha lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. He is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. Who is the better intercessor that Moses was pointing to? None other than Yahusha HaMashiach, our high priest. What makes him a better intercessor? For one thing, he doesn't die. Another thing, he is holy and blameless and unstained by sin. But there are other reasons why Yahusha is a better intercessor. What else? makes Yahusha the better intercessor. Do you remember what Moses said to Yahuwah our God so that Yahuwah would spare the people of Israel, that he would not completely destroy them? Moses said, I'll be the atonement for sin. Let me be the one to be blotted out so that the people of Israel would be spared. And Yahuwah God basically said, no, 
Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book, right? He said no to Moses because that role would be fulfilled by someone else. Who is that? First John 2, 1 to 2. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Yahushua the Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And so, who is that one who became the atonement for our sins because he sacrificed himself? It would not be Moses. Who was that? Yahusha. And so he died on the cross so that our sins can be forgiven. Not only does, did Yahusha die for our sins, he also stepped in as what? Our intercessor. You notice what Yahusha does for our sake? The Bible says he pleads. He pleads our case before our Abba. Yes, Apostle John reminds us, I am writing to you that you will not sin. So we need to do our best not to commit sin. We must not think that our fellowship with Yahusha the Christ is a license to commit sin. No. Our fellowship with Yahushua the Christ gives us confidence that we can approach Abba and this should give us inspiration to live a holy and righteous life. But in the event, because of our humanity, we fall into sin. Because of our weakness, we commit sin. What does Apostle John say to us? He says, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. We have an intercessor. We have a mediator. Who is that? Yahushua. He pleads on our behalf. He pleads our case if Moses if Moses was successful as an intercessor how much more right I want you to think about that think about the sins of the people of Israel think about their stubbornness and their rebelliousness but Moses was pretty effective interceding for them right how much more brethren would Yahushua be effective when he stands before the father pleading our case for us this is why we can be confident. Yes, we are sinners, right? But we can be confident if Yahushua is our advocate. If Yahushua is our intercessor, we can be confident that our sins will be forgiven and that he will give us the grace that we need for our salvation. What else uh, makes Yahushua the better intercessor over Moses? In the book of Hebrews 10, 12, but our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Remember Moses? To intercede for the people, he had to travel all the way up to the mountain, right? And so he goes up and down the mountain. And on that mountain, he was able to plead on behalf of Israel. Yahushua is not on the mountain. He's in a better place. Where is that place? The place of honor at God's right hand. If Moses was pretty successful there on the mountain, what do you think Yahushua can accomplish when he is at the right hand of Yahuwah our God? This is why, brothers and sisters, we should not hesitate. You know, if we have fallen into sin and we begin to think to ourselves, oh, no, Yahuwah, God will not forgive me anymore. Brethren, do not underestimate the power of the intercession of Yahushua HaMashiach. If Moses accomplished much on a mountain in Sinai, how much more the perfect son of God, Yahushua, can do sitting at the right hand of God, the place of honor. This is why Yahushua is a better sacrifice. Or Yahusha is a better intercessor. What else makes Yahusha a better intercessor? If you still remember when Yahuwah decided to honor the request of Moses when he was pleading for the people of Israel, he invoked his own name, Yahuwah, right? Because when Yahuwah hears that name, Yahuwah, he brings compassion, slow to anger, and unfailing love. How much more if Yahusha bears the name of Yahuwah 
Philippians 2, 9 to 11, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. But at the name of Yahushua, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Yahushua Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Not only did Yahuwah place Yahushua at the place of highest honor at the right hand of God, so that when he pleads on our behalf, Yahuwah will say yes to him. Not only does he give them this opportunity to plead on behalf of his body. The Bible says Yahuwah has given him the name that is above every name. The name of Yahushua, which contains the name of Yahuwah. And so through Yahushua, we become those who are going to be saved. Because Yahushua means Yahuwah saves. Brothers and sisters, our intercessor today is not only alive, he sits at the right hand of God. He is the atonement for our sins and he bears the name Yahushua. How powerful is that name? Acts 4, 10 to 12. Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Yahushua Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Brothers and sisters, the name that was given by Yahuwah God to his son, Yahusha, is the only name given for our salvation. And this is why, brothers and sisters, Yahusha is not simply our intercessor. He is our perfect intercessor. And because Yahushua is our perfect intercessor, bearing the name of salvation, what is our confidence? Let's read the book of Romans, the final passage in our studies today in Romans 8, 32 to 34. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Yahusha, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Apostle Paul raises some rhetorical questions here. What's a rhetorical question? It's a question where you already know the answer. It's obvious, right? Question he asks is, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? No one. It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns those who belong to Yahusha? No one. Why? Because Yahusha died for us. And then he was raised to life. What does that show us? He now sits at the right hand of God, interceding for us. This is why we are confident, like what Apostle Paul said, we have nothing to worry about. And so, brethren, we can be confident when Yahushua returns, we can receive our salvation. Not because we're good. Do you get that? This is why we should not develop an attitude of self-righteousness. We're not good. As a matter of fact, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, we too are stubborn. We too are stubborn. We will be saved. Not because we're good. We will be saved. Because Yahusha is our intercessor, the one who died for us, the one who lives again and continues to intercede on our behalf. Do you think Yahusha is sitting in heaven doing nothing? No, he's in heaven and he every day intercedes on our behalf, pleading on our behalf. And Yahuwah God listens to Yahusha, his beloved son. This is our confidence. That because we belong to the assembly of Yahusha and bear the name of Yahusha, we shall receive salvation through the intercession of our king, Yahusha HaMashiach. Okay? Now, before we go ahead and pray, uh, I just wanted to point something out really quickly. Because when we studied Mount Sinai, it's interesting. Moses, uh, Yahuwah instructs Moses to go up there, right? What was the, the purpose again of Moses going up to Mount Sinai? What was he going to do? He was going to be given what? 
The Ten Commandments, the covenant, right? The uh, official document, uh, the tablets of stone. And so he goes there for how long? 40 days, right? And so on the 40th day, what happens? People of Israel, well, they fall into idolatry. And so because of the idolatry, when Moses goes back down, he destroys the, the stones. So the covenant has been dissolved, right? And so what does Moses do? He goes back up to the mountain and he intercedes. He prays on behalf of the people of Israel. Does Yahuwah relent? Yeah. And so he invites Moses to go up again to the mountain. And what does Yahuwah God do? He renews the covenant. And so how long is that in totality between the establishment of the covenant and the renewing of the covenant and everything in between? 120 days, right? So it took 120 days to bring the to create the tablets, have it destroyed, and have it created again and given to the people of Israel and placed in the Ark of the Covenant. 120 days, right? What caused the breaking of the covenant? What was it? Idolatry. For some reason, people want to make idols for themselves. And so this is a pattern that we need to see. A pattern that we must learn from, right? We must never engage in any kind of idolatry because God hates idolatry. I don't know if you still, if you remember this date, July 27, 2020. July 27, 1914 is a significant date. By the way, before we get there, um, I just wanted to point out you know, the, the 120 days here. Do you know when Moses by the way, went to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. That was Pentecost, day of Pentecost. After 120 days in 2020, in the year 2020, this is not true for 2019 or 2021 or 2018, but in 2020, it was a unique year because in 2020, it turns out that 120 days after Pentecost, you know what day that is? Yom Kippur. What is that? The day of? Atonement, day of atonement. Yes, God is telling us, okay, um, in some way, atonement has been made for the people of Israel, that their sins are forgiven. And Yahuwah God establishes his covenant with them, okay? That was for 2020. And it turns out 2020 is something we need to understand. July 27, 2020, we know July 27, 1914 was significant, right? Because that's the ends of the earth. Yahuwah God basically made a covenant with his people from the islands of the sea. But we know what happened eventually, right? Idolatry is something that's very hard to notice, but it's so very true and very deep, right? And so what happened to that covenant? Probably destroyed, probably. But in 2020, something also happens, something very significant to all of us. Remember that? What happened in 2020? Well, in 2020, specifically November 24, 2020, uh, Yahuwah God permitted that we would be officially known as the Assembly of Yahusha. July 27, 1914, Isaiah 43, 5 was fulfilled, right? And then in 1124, 2020, Isaiah 43.7, we can say was fulfilled. What does Isaiah 43.7 say, the prophecy? Those who were called by my name. my name, the name that he will create for his glory. What name is that? That's the name of Yahusha. Remember the name of Yahusha. It's the only name given for our salvation. Remember what Yahuwah God did. So that he could show mercy and faithfulness and loving kindness to his people. He invoked his own name, Yahuwah. This is why the very name of Yahusha connected to us as a people. We can receive that same loving kindness and compassion and mercy, forgiveness of Yahuwah our God. Blessed are those who are called upon the name, are called by that name, Yahusha. November 24, 2020, right? 
it just turns out, you know how long, how many days there are between July 27, 2020 and November 24, 2020? Get to guess. What do you think? Precisely 120 days. Could it be coincidence? Could be. This could mean something. It could mean nothing. Could be coincidence. But I don't think so. I think it means something. I think Yahuwah God is telling us that when we became an assembly, we have become officially the people of Yahuwah bearing the name of his son, Yahusha, which means Yahuwah God has restored his covenant with us. Brothers and sisters, do not take this for granted. Yahuwah God is showing us his mercy and love. Let us not be stubborn. Let us do our best to honor him because he has given us a proof, powerful evidence that the fulfillment of prophecy really do point to us, the assembly of Yahusha. Praise be Yahuwah God, our loving father and his son, Yahusha HaMashiach. Let us stand brethren and we shall pray together. Everlasting father. Yes. Almighty Yahuwah Abba. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Amen. For by your name, Yahuwah. Yes. You show yourself to be compassionate, merciful, showing unfailing love Amen. to the people he chooses for himself. Amen. Father, thank you. For you have fulfilled yet. Yes. Father. One of your promises. Yes. You have brought together a people. Yes. Who will bear the name of your son. Yes. The name that you created for yourself. Yes. One that contains your name, Yahuwah. Yes. By the name of Yahusha, we praise you. Yes. Because by that name, we receive forgiveness. Amen. We receive compassion. Yes. And soon salvation. Amen. And everlasting life. Amen. And so we thank you, Father. For showing us more proof yes, that the work of the assembly of Yahushua yes, is the work of your hands. Yes, it Lord. was you who has accomplished this. Amen. Praises be to you, loving Abba, yes, because you are always there for your people. Amen. Help us to meditate upon your works. Yes, May we be moved by love and compassion yes, always in our works. Yahushua, our king. Yes, we belong Lord. to you. We praise you forever. Amen. Strengthen our faith. Yes. Help us to fully believe. Yes. And when we use your name yes. to represent you here on earth, yes. allow us to be able to give glory to you yes. and to give glory to our loving Abba. Amen. Father, please forgive all our sins yes. and help us to share our faith. Yes, but Father, we can proclaim your greatness always. Amen. We believe, loving Father, you have listened to our prayers. Yes, for we ask everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen. Amen. Amen.